The Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. What a beautiful Lord's Day. So glad to see each of you in today. Before we get started this morning, let's uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that we are able to give you praise, that you are our delight and our reward. We're thankful, Father, for your word and thankful so much, Father, that we can uh, clearly and plainly see in it the hope that we have uh, that you have made for us through your son. We're thankful that we can be here this morning and I pray you would uh, speak through your word this morning and teach us what you want us to know. Uh, it's in my own heart. I thank you, Father, for these things and you've brought into my life and how they have encouraged and helped and strengthened me. And I pray it would be a help to others, uh, help to this word. The word is it's shared today. It would be uh, rightly divided. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, January of uh, 2021, my wife Adrienne and I took a vacation uh, to Florida, spent some time with my brother and my sister-in-law at their condo on the beach there in Florida. And I had been dealing with lower back trouble in my uh, health issues for lots and lots of years and kind of steadily been getting a little bit worse but I had some additional new back pain that I was beginning to deal with and so I've been thinking about well maybe it's time to get that addressed and well we returned back from our vacation and another issue kind of came up in my health that was a little bit more obvious that something wasn't quite right and so I thought it was kind of important to that I'd probably get in to see a doctor. It was on a Saturday morning, and I remember going to the Swedish-American Immediate Care Center on Perryville Road. And what I remember most about that was that brought me in fairly quickly. Thank the Lord, it wasn't a long wait that day. They knew that they needed to do, based on what I was telling them, some blood work and a urinalysis. And I hadn't been in the waiting area too long again before the uh, uh, the lady doctor called me back into the back back there and she had some things up on her computer screen and she just seemed to be just a little bit nervous to me a little bit overly concerned um, and she was still waiting on so she had the blood work results and she was still waiting on the other results from the urinalysis and and uh, it turns out uh, that my bilirubin levels, so those of you in the medical field will know a lot more about that, I won't go into too much detail, but they were significantly high, and that could mean that your kidneys or your liver might not be functioning quite properly. So she told me right off the bat that I was going to need to be admitted to the hospital. And what was later determined on that hospital admission was that the bile duct that was coming down out of my liver that something was uh, blocking that duct. Something was pressing against it, and it wasn't allowing that to function normally. And, of course, this was later diagnosed as a cancerous tumor that was in my uh, pancreas. So since January of 2021, I've probably been to see a doctor or a nurse practitioner or that level of, of care more than 60, 70 times. Uh, my care has mostly been related to the treatment of my cancer, uh, the pancreatic cancer, although some of the trips and things I had made have been for a few less uh, serious things. And through these past 16 months or so now, 17 months, I've learned quite a bit. And I've got seven things here just to mention. Number one, 
Doctors, nurses, and all the support staff in the medical system are a key part to your good health. Very much so, especially if you're going through a major or life-threatening sickness. Okay. Number two, it was better for me to listen and follow all of the medical advice that I received and not just to pick and choose what may have seemed best for me. Number three, if something changed in how I was feeling or how I responded to my treatments, my doctors wanted me to let them know right away. Number four, patience is a good thing to have for any patient as people respond in different ways to medication, to treatments, or to surgery. So patience is a good thing for any patient. Number five, the duration or season for one person's medical issue might be 15 days, 15 months, or 15 years, or maybe the rest of your life. Number six, your family is more important to you now than ever before. And finally, number seven, God is good, God is faithful, God is merciful, God is always in control, God is always right, and God strengthens the soul. All of us, at one time or another in our lives, have been to see a doctor, right? Hopefully that's the case for most of us. Um, Maybe it was just something minor that went on in your life. Maybe a minor injury, some minor sickness you may have had. Maybe it was just for a regular checkup. So what I want to try to do right now is just to do a little brief survey, and hopefully it won't get too personal. You're under no obligation to respond. But just by show of hands, let me just ask a few things. How many of you have ever had a sports physical, school physical, or annual exam? My hand's got to go up on that one. Okay. All right. How about... The cold, a cold or a flu? Okay, I think most hands are going up there. How about strep throat? My hand would have to go down. Okay, if you have experienced that. How about the mumps? Oh, I thought we'd lose a few people on that one. I remember my most big swollen cheeks as a kid dealt with that. How about any exam ending in oscopy? Okay. Well, thanks for participating in that little brief study, and over the course, I think all all of our hands probably went up at least once. A few of us here have definitely experienced some of those more uh, serious medical conditions as well, Uh, things like cancer. I'm not alone in that. Uh, uh, Heart issues, uh, things of that nature. Um, We know that sickness is a part of life, and now more than ever, even with COVID and all that's going on there. So how many times... Have you had to go through that COVID swab test? Oh, I have had to deal with that many times during this healing process, far too many, because about any procedure I would need to go to do in preparation for, any, any admission to the hospital that was planned, a surgery, I, I had to go through that. And I, I would say that I had one particular nurse one time, I believe she was going for some sort of depth record when she was swabbing me, uh, just... Yeah, uncomfortable things, but a a necessity too. So most of these situations, there are four things that are routinely checked by medical professionals and healthcare providers at the beginning of your visit that helps them kind of let, you know, let them know better how you are doing. Can anyone tell me what these are called? No medical professional people are allowed to respond, but can anybody else tell me what those are called? Vitals. There we go. 
or vital signs. Yes, very good, very good. Um, now, just by the word vital being in there, you can think of maybe they're important, extremely important, imperative, crucial, something about them. So can you name the vital signs for me? I think, I think we're going to have something pop up here eventually. So what was one? Temperature. Temperature, yes. Okay, very good. It's one of them. Now, just so you know, although I'm equally important and often checked along with the other vital signs, this is what it, when I looked it up, that's actually not considered one of the vital signs. But it made the list. Good answer. Okay, today. So I got temperature. We got blood pressure. Your pulse or your heart rate. Or how do you get oxygen into you? Breathing, your breathing rate, your respiration rate. Those are four. Those are four things. Now there they are. Oh, good. We got them pop, popped up on the screen there for you. So, so this morning, what I would like us to do together is look at the vital signs for the soul. So the physical vital signs that we just listed can help again the medical professionals kind of to see where you're at. See if you need maybe additional care, maybe additional tests uh, that might be necessary. Now, I've, I've had a lot of fun with the blood pressure one, the one that's not really the, quote, major vital sign. I've made a game out of that. Uh, every time I go to the doctor for blood work or whatever it might be, um, I'll sit there and try to guess what my blood pressure is going to be. Um, on my last hospital stay that I went through, I was a little out of it for that one. And it's a good thing I didn't try to guess because when they took my first blood pressure, I think it was 85 over 40. And so it was a little bit low, and I typically run a little bit low. But on a recently scheduled follow-up care that I had here in Rockford, I told the nurse that she was hooking me up to that. I said, so well, I think it's going to be 100 over 58. And she took the pressure and she says, oh, it's 101 over 58. So I, wow, all right, I'm getting pretty good at this. It's a lot of fun. Some people joke and say, well, it's your time to head on the way home and buy that lottery ticket, I guess. Okay, whatever. But just to make it a little fun, just a fun game for strange little enemies. So no, the idea of that is knowing the numbers, knowing your numbers, that can be very important. The tests and exams that I've been through in this last year have been many. Here's just a quick summary. Blood work in the hundreds of times. CT scans. Last I counted, I've had more than 12. MRIs, eight. I've had EKGs, ultrasounds, echocardiograms. Some of my care required the level of, of hospital care of being admitted to the hospital. And I've had a 15-day stay in December, a nine-day stay in January, a six-day stay in February, and five days in May. Basically, what I feel is when I'm at home and feeling a little less pampered, I guess a hospital stay is probably in order. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Now, now, that was not a complete list of everything, but it does give you kind of an idea of the, how my past, my past year has gone. Now, through it all, I will tell you that my family has been awesome. Care and love for, for dad, but my children was expressed to me in so many uh, different ways. Each of my daughters... I was very blessed to have them spend time with me during my chemotherapy treatments at Swedish American Cancer Center. Each one got to spend some time over there with Dad. And again, felt very, very blessed by all that. Um, 
I had to go through 12 of those different treatments. Now, my wife's been by my side through the whole way through every, every one of the things that I could have already mentioned to you, and a lot of them that I, I didn't mention as well. Uh, the scans, the chemo, the radiation treatments, the surgeries that I've been through, and I can't, I can't say enough about that. Um, through it all, she's demonstrated such love for me and helped me to stay focused on a couple of different things. Very important at those times is truth in, the truth in God's word, God's faithfulness, and God's love. You know, I've also been greatly blessed by you, my church family, because of uh, your many prayers, uh, many cards that were uh, sent to me, uh, the wonderful meals that were brought and provided to us and our family. The type of situation I went through can often be very tasking uh, too on your finances, especially when you're out of work for extended periods of time. And we greatly appreciated the, the, the gift that we received that many of you were part of that helped to cover the expenses for a lot of these trips up to UW-Madison. You know, Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, this is the truth, and it's a promise, and we know one thing about our God is that he always, well, many things, but one thing for certain is that he always keeps his promises. So our health is an important thing, to be able to do the things that we would like to do, need to do. Uh, we need to take care of our bodies. We need to go for regular checkups. You know, if we're sick or more seriously ill, we, we really do need to listen to and follow the advice of our doctors and all that. Now, what's going to pop up on the screen here next, I hope, there it is, is um, I had a, another challenge that had happened in the month of uh, February. That was, that was that month's hospital stay. Uh, and the purpose of it was to listen to my doctor's advice. And uh, I had began to get a little run down, uh, when, had been losing an awful lot of weight, and the blood work and things that they could take from me, they found out that I was malnourished. And so one of the side effects of cancer treatment, of course, is that you just you lose your appetite. Uh, a lot of things that you tasted and liked before, they just don't taste the same. And that was definitely what was going on with happening with me. So a feeding tube had to be placed in through my nose, down through my stomach, and actually into my intestine. And I basically needed the extra calories uh, to help me get going. This thing would get connected, and I was at home. Uh, that we had that, and it would get connected on a pole and tubes, uh, or a bag would get filled up with the protein mix. And I brought a few things along here today to kind of show you what was involved with that, because it was, it was definitely very important that I was trying to get some nutrition back into me. So we had all these different parts of it, the big, big stand, like an IV portable stand, and this would hang from that, and you would take these things here, and you would fill this bag up with like six of these at seven o'clock at night, and I would have that thing feeding me overnight. Whew. I think about it now. I, I, have the, I have the excuse to basically eat almost 24 hours a day. Wow. Um, so one thing I did not realize until very recently, and this is a box of these right here, is that this thing says on the side of it, vital high protein. Vital high protein. So I definitely needed the help of these things. I did listen to the doctor, and thank the Lord, especially too, of one thing is that I didn't have to have it on the, the originally planned length of time. It came off after three and a half weeks, and thankfully was able to go to Florida with the family and blessed to be able to spend time there. So, and I got that thing off. Thank, thank, the God, thank God for that. So... A lot of things happen when you're going through chemotherapy and all that. You just, you just sometimes just can't eat. And uh, 
understand the need for medicines or medications, but one of the things that I was told by a nurse practitioner that I had, um, a nutritionalist aspect nurse practitioner, was that I needed to start considering food as a medicine. Food as a medicine. Now, I love food and I love to eat, but I'd never thought of it as a medicine before. And I am currently taking 20 different medications. So again, I think there's a picture of that. This is a long introduction, so bear with me, folks, and we'll get to the we have the word here shortly. So I have what you see up there on my little uh, TV tray is, is most of all of those are, are current things that I'm taking. And I brought a couple of things with me here. So out of those 20 or so different things you see on there, first of all, this, this here is a bottle of Reglan, little teeny tiny pills. And this is for delayed gastric emptying. Hopefully I got that. That terminology, right? And then this is Eliquis, and this is actually a blood thinner, and that's because I now am, I'm a transplant patient, I guess. I have a bovine portal vein, bovine portal vein that was actually put in there, and so the blood thinners are used whenever you have any type of, of a transplant often used. This is gabapentin, getting, bottles are getting pretty big here too um, and this is used for neuropathy so the results of chemotherapy sometimes you'll just start losing the feeling in your extremities a little bit especially your feet so that's that's that there and then this one the biggest one this is creon and this is this is to help with the digestive process because basically right now I only have half of a pancreas and I did not know before all this started that your pancreas is very uh, very vital in the, in the process of, of, your, of your digestive process. The, the enzymes and the things that are created by that are very much needed and only have half of one working for me now. So, so all these different medications and everything. Um, and it wasn't until about a month ago, about a month and a half ago, that I actually had my full appetite return. And I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and so now I think I'm actually getting the, 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 the full value of that medication of the food uh, of that. So church family, my prayer today for you is that you be in good physical health, that you would also be well nourished with the word of God. And I would like to look into God's word today and take a closer look at the health of your soul. So let's look together and see if we can see the vital signs of the soul. So if you have your Bibles there today and you want to turn to, or your electronic device, the book of 3 John. 3 John. And we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 4. Third John. First, second, third John, Jude, Revelation, right near the end, and verses 1 through 4. In verse 1, The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health, as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. 
Now, the third epistle of John here is a bit more personal opening uh, than, say, the other first or second epistles. First John was more of a general letter that was written by John to the churches in Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Uh, Second John was addressed to the elect lady and her children. Perhaps it was a, a local congregation. And in third John, he writes here to Gaius, and he refers to him as beloved in verses 1 and 2. And also in uh, verse 1, he says, whom he loves in truth. Now, Gaius was John's son in the faith. He was, uh, he was family. In verse 2, he says, I pray that all may go well with you. Maybe usually somewhat kind of a more standard greeting, but probably not for John here, as again, Gaius was his convert. Um, now, when we greet each other, we often say something like, how are you doing? Or maybe for the East Coast, New York, folks, how are you doing? Okay. Um, there are other ways you might say that. How is it going? How are you feeling? How have you been? Most of these greetings asked, typically asked out of a care and concern for the person and hope that they are, in fact, doing well. Uh, but if they are going through something, through some difficulty, their response might help you to learn a little bit more about their situation, how you can actually care for them even better. So we express our love to others in many different ways. And one of the many ways that love was expressed to me uh, early on in this process, especially during my chemotherapies and when all those, those, those went on for six months, was that I received many uh, cards uh, in the mail. And uh, they were great, uh, a great thing for me. Uh, very, very helpful, very uplifting, and I'm sitting here thumbing through, looking for my little, where I put them. Let me see, what did I do with those? Okay. Trying to figure out what I did with those. Well, I had some cards. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. They're in my book over here. I'm going to read from part of that, and I almost forgot that's where they're. So I brought five of them. I received a lot more than five, okay? But I brought five, and I just kind of wanted to read this, the parts I'm for you here. So it's, Dear Andy, you're in my prayers. I pray for quick and total healing. I pray for strength and comfort. Your sister in Christ, and we'll mention who they're individually from, and another one. Uh, the verse that was on this one, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's Psalm 73:26. I know that you are trusting the Lord to bring healing and peace. He is the great physician. Know that God's got this. Thoughts and prayers go with you. Uh, this one says, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Psalm 46:1. Andy and Adriana, we love you and are praying for you. Uh, this one here, we started this year together in Florida. God has taken and continues to be with, be with you on a long, difficult journey. We praise God for your upcoming surgery. We continue to ask for full recovery, yet his will be done. And then this last one that I have here, I uh, hope you'll find some strength and comfort knowing how many warm and special thoughts are going out to you. You are not alone. Keeping you now in our thoughts and prayers, we pray for strength and patience as you travel this journey of treatment and healing. So just well wishes 
and much, much needed, very, very helpful things, ways we express that love. And so we can see back in our text there that there was a lot of expression of love for others, and it's actually part of all three of John's uh, epistles here. In, in uh, 1 John um, chapter 2, verse 7, we didn't look at that in our text yet, but it says, Beloved, I am writing to you a new command. Beloved. In chapter 3, verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. In chapter 4, verse 1 of 1 John, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. In chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. It is mentioned many, many different places. Maybe John's expression of love for Gaius was a little easier for him because, uh, again, he was his son in the faith. Faith. Verse 4 says, in, back in our text here, though we were in Third John, John has no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. If you're a true believer today and part of God's family, we have the same Heavenly Father, and we can refer to each other as brother or sister, or, oh, there's Ray down there. Hey, Ray. Hey, bro. It's going. Or... We can refer to each other as sister. Is Heidi in here this morning? There yours. Hey, Heidi. Hey, sis. How's it going? So um, we should be able to rejoice to see when we see each other. And especially new believers and old, we should be able to rejoice when we see that we're walking, that person is walking in truth. We are family, are we not? Our Heavenly Father and Savior, they also have obviously a great joy for us when we are walking in truth. Again, in verse 4 of this passage, John tells Gaius that what brings him the greatest joy is that his children are walking in truth. In verse 3, we can see that the fellow believers in the church were able to testify to this also. It was, it was evident to them. It brought great joy to John, the greatest joy. Think of him as a proud spiritual papa. Now, we have lots of fathers and you know, mothers in, in, in our congregation today. And think of it how... It made you feel when your children reached some significant milestone in their life. Maybe like a high school graduation, or maybe when they got their driver's license, or maybe that first job, or a first big promotion, and how you felt. Uh, similar feelings happen to us when we can see, it should happen, when we see each other, uh, fellow believers in Christ, and our, especially if those that might be our converts in the faith, growing and accomplishing and seeing something happen in life. One of our spiritual children uh, we should have that same joy happening too as well. Maybe the re- brothers referred to in verses 3 and 4 spoke to John of how Gaius was confessing Jesus as Lord to others as well as his, his own family. He was probably living out the truth of the gospel in his life. You know, you've heard the old saying that actions speak louder than words. What type of actions do we see in this little section right here? Well, walking in truth. His life was demonstrating the truth of the gospel, the truth of loving and caring for others. In verses 5 and 6, we can see that truth in his faithfulness in showing hospitality. It was traveling missionaries that would come around, and he he was able to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. The missionaries that that Gaius showed hospitality to took nothing from the Gentiles area. They were supported by people of the church, the people of the church gave to help meet their needs. And so these actions, they speak to the truth that the believers believed in and that he believed in. Walking in truth, 
following Christ. You know, we're in the world, but we're separated from it. And we're trying to watch now to be careful and not to find ourselves under false teaching. That's in chapter 4, verse 1. We're walking in the truth of God's Word. So our first vital sign of the soul this morning is walk in truth. Walk in truth. And we're going to call that, I'm going to try to correlate each of the spiritual vital signs back to one of the other vital signs that we talk about. So we've got body temperature here. Now let's just do a simple little hand gesture that helps us to remember the physical vital sign that we're using here. So if you could take your hand with your fingers. Uh, let's see. Which one was I supposed to be here? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Take your hand closed tight, no fingers open, and just turn it backwards towards you and reach it up to the top of your forehead like that. No thumbs drooping. Can't do that. That looks like a fish talking and swimming along there. Okay, so it just got to be close. Okay. And you can just put that back down and just simple. Now that is our symbol, our little gesture, but also that happens to be sign language for fever or for having a temperature. Okay. So that is a sign language for that. What is the best source of truth? If we're supposed to be walking in truth, what's the best source of truth to the Christian? Is it a famous preacher like maybe John MacArthur? or R.C. Sproul, or Steve Brandon? What about a gospel-rich, Christ-centered worship song? Now, these may be good sources of truth, but in John 17, 17, thank you, Ryan, thank you for that VBS year where we had that as one of our, our songs. I'll never forget that. We do find the best source of truth in John 17, 17. And it says there, when uh, John writes the words of Jesus as he asks the Father regarding those the Father would give to him, he says, to sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. And when also in John seventeen twenty, Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's asking for future converts of the believers, not only these believers that would be by his ministry, say, but the future converts that would come, for their children in the faith, eventually for Gaius, you know, being a convert, and then for those that Gaius would witness to and likely reach others as well. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Our best source of truth today is this book, is God's, is God's word. Now, we have the complete truth given to us in the Bible. Now, if you think about many years ago, I know this practice isn't fully done across the country anymore. I guess it's hit and miss depending on where you live. But in a courtroom, when a person was about to testify, they would ask them to place their hand on the Bible, and someone say, would say, do you promise to solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And they usually say, so help you God. Now, what thing is interesting is I really believe is that most people do not realize, did not realize then, that the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth was under the palm of their hand. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. And although that practice in a courtroom may have changed, God's word has not changed. It is still the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living 
and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul, of spirit, of joints, and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word is truth. This book we have today is truth. It cuts, it divides, it discerns, and it gets to the heart. As we walk in the light of his word, truth is revealed to us. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, with a light or a lamp in old days and Bible times, they didn't have street lights and street lamps and things lighting the roads and all that. It was necessary for that lantern, that light, to see, to make it travel safe for the traveler. It would help to reveal hazards and things that might cause them to stumble. So church family today, our first vital sign, walk in truth. Walk in the light of his word. Um, quoted this, co- I've correlated this uh, spiritual virus saying, walk in truth to the body temperature. My most recent hospital stay in the month of May, um, I was at home on a Saturday, and I was starting to feel a little bit weak and a little bit run down. I was getting the chills pretty bad. Um, and I eventually asked Adriana, I think we should take my temperature. And it was a little high, and we took it again a little bit later, and it was climbing up a little bit more. Now, because I have a, a weakened immune system, because of all I've been through, the doctors were always telling me that if I spike a high fever, I should get in right away and, and not, not you know, be, be extra cautious about that type of stuff. So as we took my temperature again, it was reaching almost 104. Uh, my wife told me we are going to the Swedish ER. <laughs> And so we did. Thank you, Adriana. Very good advice for you there. Praise God for the quick response that I received at that, that ER. Uh, when they took me to the triage room, what do you think they checked first? My vital signs, right? They obviously wanted to know all this stuff was going on. My temperature, sure. I complained of that. And then also praise God for something, too, is that when I got into that ER, as it has happened to me another time, well, I was surprised is how fast I got in. As soon as you tell the folks there your history and cancer and, and chemotherapies and all these things, God just whew, opened, uh, opened the door and let me in right away. It was quite a because I was definitely quite out of it that day. Um, so they did check my vital signs, of course, and when they found out my temperature was 104.5 and that my blood pressure was very, very low, they, of course, decided that they needed to admit me right away. And thankfully, my, thankfully my temperature did break pretty early uh, later that night, and then that was not a part. They never were quite sure what caused uh, that problem for me. And one of my other hospital stays as well, where I had a fever and all this, same thing kind of happened. They weren't quite sure what it caused that. It could have been exposed to some small virus of some type, um, I've been told to avoid people, you know, during this process who are obviously sick, trying to be careful about that. I've also been told to not touch dirt, so like in gardening and stuff like that, to be wearing gloves. Um, just advice they've given to me because I guess I'm just more susceptible to things now and there's bacteria in soil. It's lots of little things that we need to be concerned with, uh, I need to be concerned with that bring a challenge to my health and all that. Have you ever had a high temperature spiritually? There are a lot of little things to be equally concerned about that can be a challenge to your spiritual health. In 2 John, John again writes about walking in truth. 
He clearly warns us to beware of false teachers and deceivers in verse 7. And for those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ. And in verse 9 of Second John, it actually says that those who do not abide in his teaching, that's Christ's teaching. So it's watching out and looking out for those things and being cautious and careful. Do you have a favorite, outside of our church and the church by that you're part of, do you have a favorite uh, preacher or pastor that you like to listen to that maybe they do not always preach the full truth? Uh, maybe they often uh, take some verses out of the Bible a little out of context. Uh, maybe there's someone who's not talking about and confessing the coming of Christ as being important. Maybe they regularly add their own point of view to Scripture or rarely exposit it at all. Watch out for that little virus of false teaching that may be used to weaken your soul. Do you have a favorite Christian singing artist or group? And you enjoy meditating on the words of the, and the music of that song. Is it the word of truth that you are hearing? Is their music God and Christ-centered? Do it, does it use the truth of the word of God to strengthen your soul? Watch out for those themes and those things that stray away from the teaching of Christ. So church family, are you walking in truth? The second uh, vital sign that I would like us to take a look at today is practice righteousness. And I want to correlate this one with the respiration rate. So let's use that simple gesture again. So if you, this time you take your hands and you open up your fingers and you kind of place them one in front of the other out in front of you and you just bring them away from your body and then back to your body. And away from your body and back to your body. So this is sign language for breathing. Okay, so we got our, our symbol there. So um, we move, moving them in, moving them out. You can see that motion it's making as the breathing is happening. We find this spiritual vital sign, practice righteousness, in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of First John. So if you want to turn over there now in the book First John, and we're going to start in chapter 2. And verse 28. So verse John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. And then if you just turn over to chapter Three, we're going to look at verses 7 and 10. Chapter 3, 7 and 10. And in verse 7, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. And in verse 10, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. So if we know him, and that's no Jesus, and we follow him and imitate him, we practice righteousness. And if we practice righteousness, we are righteous. We are right with God. We are free from the guilt of sin, and we act in accord with God's law. 
Jesus Christ is righteous, and those who are in Jesus Christ are righteous. If we practice righteousness, we've been born of him, it says in verse 29. And if we do not, verse 10 tells us that we are not of God. I've correlated this spiritual vital sign with the respiration rate or breathing. Think of it like this. If you are physically alive, you breathe. We're all doing that here right now. And if you are not physically alive, well, you don't breathe. If you are spiritually alive, you practice righteousness. But if you are spiritually dead, you can't practice righteousness. If you are not in Christ today, Ephesians 2, 1 says that you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked. A dead person can't do anything, right? No, they can't. They're dead. So too, a spiritually dead person needs to be made alive in order to do anything to please God. And a person who's spiritually alive in Christ can't help but practice righteousness. Former pastor of mine at a, a previous church to Rock Valley, his name is Jim Larson, and he had a saying, practice makes perfect, right? No. Practice makes permanent. Practicing righteousness simply displays outwardly the change that has been made on the inside. This change in a believer actually took place a long time ago. Ephesians 4.1 says that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Righteous or right with God, blameless or free from the guilt of sin, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, Romans 3.22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. According to 2 Timothy 3.16, Scripture is key for training in righteousness. So church family, are you practicing righteousness. It is a permanent thing for a true believer. It's automatic and necessary for the believer, just like breathing. Now let me stop here before we move on to the next vital sign and just take just a minute or so just talk about my first in-depth experience I had with the book of First John. You know, it's clear that the three epistles of John were written to believers but an unbeliever who reads and studies them certainly can, by God's grace, have their eyes open to the truth that's in there and come to believe in Jesus. It happened to me about 30-some years ago when I was living in El Centro, California. And I had a phone conversation with my brother Mark, who lived back here in Illinois at the time, in Aurora. And I told him, I said, Mark, yeah, my pastor's going to be gone, and he's asked me to fill it on a Wednesday night Bible study. And did you have any ideas for a Bible study that I might have for that time? And he said to me, Andy, what about 1 John 5.13? 1 John 5.13, that says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So he asked me, what did that verse mean to me? And I said, well, I guess it's, yeah, I can know that I have eternal life. We don't have to have any doubts about that. We can know that. It says it right there. And, you go, and then he goes, okay. 
what else? And after I paused a little bit and didn't give him too much what else, then he says, he said basically to me, what about the things? What things? So he encouraged me, so I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. So this is chapter 5 of 1 John. There are four other chapters before it. And so, yeah, he encouraged me to go back and study and look and read and see what those things were. Because the things are important. So we're preparing to lead that Bible study. I began to create what I called kind of an inventory list back then of the things that were written by John. And obeying his commandments Walking truth, being an overcomer of sin, a love for brothers. As I started making that sort of inventory list, I started realizing in my life that I was having difficulties in every one of them. In every one of them. I was a Sunday school superintendent in my church. I was in leadership. But I was missing the truth of God's word. It hadn't taken a hold like it needed to. I I was in darkness. And it was starting to become clear to me that the struggles that I was, especially struggles I was having even with sin, that I did not fully understand what it means to walk in truth. You know? I even had a significant and unresolved conflict with another brother in Christ that was actively going on at that time in the church. So I wasn't doing too well with that overall inventory list. And I remember that God used that in my life significantly. It was on a Thursday morning when God finally opened my eyes to see the truth of, of my life and that he was calling me to fully believe and become one of his family. And I'm very thankful to my brother Mark that he was used by God in that way to, so that I became you know, a true believer. And now I have a better understanding of what God's word does say in that and what it does say and that I can have and do know that I have eternal life, that I am a child of God. And it's for that reason and others that the book of 1 John is uh, very near to me. For some, very, de- very dear to me, let me say. For some, the truth is clearly understood, but still rejected. And for this, I wanted to, if I can, give an example out of a book that was recommended to me sometime back. And so Adriana and I are reading through this together. And this is... Um, called the uh, uh, A Chance to Die, The Life and Legacy of Amy Carmichael's, written by Elizabeth Elliot. And Elizabeth Elliot, or excuse me, Amy Carmichael is considered to be one of the first Englishmen or English women then to camp among the people of India as a missionary of Christ. So I'm going to read from uh, chapter 19 here, just a page or so. And uh, in the Flower Village there is an old Brahmin widow who is dying of consumption. I took her cough, cough mixture and stuff to rub on her head to ease the pain, and I visited her again and again, trying new remedies suggested to me by a medical missionary who is staying with us, and doing all I could think of so as far as she would let me to help her. As a rule, a Brahmin is very suspicious about anything given, and many a struggle this old widow had between her desire to get all that she could out of us and here, and her fear of being given anything which would, as she put it, draw her into that pit of pollution, our religion. Skipping down a little bit. At last it seemed to dawn on her that if we could, we would have cured her, and that as we had not, it was evident we could not. 
so she had no more use for us. But though she must have made up her mind about this before I went yesterday, she did not show it at first. I was allowed to sit humbly at her feet on the outside veranda while she sat up on the doorstep. Be very careful not to touch me, she reminded me as usual, and then she let me read to her. For ten rupees could one buy such a story? This was about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Then as you have no medicine for my body, have you got medicine for my soul? And I gladly told her yes. By means of this soul medicine, will my soul regain its health? Oh, how gladly one said yes. And how may one drink this soul medicine? So I told her. Then by listening to the words of God and believing them, one receives this soul medicine? So the medicine is received through the ear and instead of the mouth and absorbed by the heart instead of by the digestive organs? She seemed to have got it very clearly. There's nothing else to do? One only has to listen and let the words catch? Then one understands them and one's heart believes them and so to the soul comes self. It is not difficult, she said. Then she turned with a sudden twist and flung the two medicine bottles into my lap. So that is how you delude us, she said. But the words came as sort of a hiss. First you tried to get me to eat your powder done up in a pill. Then you tried to get me to listen to your book's words, which it appears by entering the ear affect the mind and the heart. Then raising herself up and glaring at me like an old tiger cat at a mouse, she pointed with her skinny old hand to the street. Go! Do you think I will allow your medicine to get to my heart? Go! You have no medicine that will cure my body. I want none to cure my soul. Did you ever know a Brahmin drink your medicine? Go! She used the word used in speaking to a servant and then addressing the onlookers, went on pointing to me in the very disdainful fashion. Does she think I bore the contamination of her presence? So she... so. She who eats the flesh and mingles with low-caste people and for the sake of our soul-living book medicine? Let her go. I have no use for her. I have no use for her, Lord Jesus. Let them both go. I remember reading that with Adriana and just gripping to think about someone having the truth shared with them and a person who was pouring into her life and serving her in so many ways that she did not have to do that Amy was doing for her and yet completely rejected. What a saddening you know, account it is of someone who does begin to understand that a sin-sick soul needs the medicine of God's word to cure them, but instead just clearly rejects Jesus and goes on spiritually binded and dead to the truth. There, there are many who reject their spiritual medicine. They reject the only source of hope for their soul. Some 30 years ago, my soul was sick with sin. Sin is the disease of the soul that will destroy your life and leads to spiritual death and separation from God for eternity. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Isaiah 64.6, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. One translation calls it like filthy rags. There's nothing that we can do to make ourselves righteous. We are dead in trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians 2.1, and cannot cure the sickness of our soul on our own. Before Christ, we are without hope. But praise God, there is hope in him. 
We need the righteousness of another. Kids, I think that's in your notes somewhere too. I forgot to refer to a few of these. We do need the righteousness of another. Of the one, the only one who is truly righteous. And that's Jesus. The only cure for our sin-sick and hopeless soul is found in Jesus. If you turn to 1 John 1, 7. Take a look at that scripture there. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There it is. The cure. The only cure for a sin-sick soul. The cure is the blood of Jesus. And we receive the cleansing by simply confessing our sins and placing our faith and belief in him. There's no difficult treatments that go on for months and months. There's no major surgery that require a month or a two of recovery. There's no medications that are extremely hard to swallow. Some of those pills I have there get very large and it's very difficult. It's just simple. It's confess, believe, and receive. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, let that be the truth that defines your life. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Jesus is the permanent cure for my sin-sick soul. And Jesus is the permanent cure for yours. Now, John wrote the book of 1 John to reassure the believer in Jesus Christ that they can know that they have eternal life. That was 5.13. I write these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God. Believer, your trust is well placed in Jesus Christ. In the name that is above all names. The name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. If you're not a believer today, place your faith in him and believe. Listen to the Holy Spirit's call and let God do the work on your soul that only he can do. For our last vital sign from John's epistles, and this one is a little bit long, so we'll try to get through it quickly here. It's, it, it, he talks a lot about it, so, but it's going to be in uh, 1 John chapter 3. If you want to look there, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 14. So 3, 11 through 14 in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Can you see our third vital sign in the passage here? Kids, can any of you see the third vital sign in that passage? Love being a keyword of it. Love one another. We should love one another. And we're going to use the pulse or heart rate for this one to correlate the spiritual vital sign. Um, and we're going to use a little different than a uh, sign language. So actual sign language for love is just a 
fingers raised up like this, and that's an actual, actual sign. But uh, let's just do Andy's method of gesture today. Take your two hands, make some capital C's, okay? Bring those together in front of you like this. Drop that down near your heart and point the thumbs down. There you go. That's, I've always been wanting to be able to do that at some time. I've never done that before. I just did. I heart you to all you folks here. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not the actual sign. Fine language version, but that's the one that I read. So this is a key vital sign that goes all the way back to the creation of man. Love one another. In verse 16, we see the ultimate example of love. 1 John 3, 16. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. The ultimate example of sacrificial love is Jesus. He laid down his life for his own. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 11, we see Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. If the flock was being attacked by wild animals, the shepherd was ready to defend them, even possibly with his life to protect them. Jesus was knowing that the attacks of the enemy would be coming, and he knew that he would be laying down his life for his own. And he did that willingly so that we might have eternal life. Now, God may never lead you to have to give the ultimate sacrifice, but he does still ask much of you in his desire for you to love one another. In verse 17, But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? How many times do we see a brother in need and not take action? How do you know if your brother or sister in Christ have a need? Maybe you're in a study group together and things are shared and you learn things that way. Maybe the member of their family puts a post on Facebook or sends an email out. Or maybe it's like Gaius in our first text there. He's showing hospitality uh, to others. And so you have someone over for a meal or provide a meal for them and you learn more of them. Maybe we engage them in conversation at a monthly fellowship dinner and we learn, a, we learn more about the needs that they have. Maybe you've learned they have a need for a new fence and you're talented and skilled that way and you offer some help and some assistance. Maybe it's moving day and you've got a strong back and you just want to serve them in that way. An eager heart to express love in this way. Maybe the Holy Spirit lays them on your heart just to pray for them. You know. Remember that love one another here in this context is in the context of our church family, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We just learn of the needs, small and great, and try to be used of God to care for them. So again, brothers and sisters in Christ, church, that we have a family. Another picture is going to come up here. Maybe there's a brother that's going through a sickness, and he's got an old deck that's in need of replacement. And he's had a, a loving, caring son-in-law who was just become a home inspector and had to learn how to use his new software and volunteered to inspect the homes of all the family and found a few minor things around the home. But when he took a look at my deck, Adam condemned it. And thank you, Adam, for doing that. And in this case here, when Armin came and spent a lot of time with me doing the teardown, we discovered that those three main support posts at the beginning, at the front edge of my deck, the outer edge of it, they were completely all rotted through. When we went to knock that over, they just all fell over on their own. And so I was very glad the deck had been condemned by Adam. And so maybe it learned a need. And so I would say this, that brothers 
in Christ rallied together around this brother, giving of their time and of their talents to serve myself and my family. So to love one another can happen in so many different ways, and this particular way was of great strengthening for my soul. And so the pictures that you're seeing right there are some of the men that came out and served my family and helped to construct just a wonderful deck for our family and all that. Now, the foundation footers that were poured, we took some pictures. That's the finished project there. There's a foundation footers there. And we wrote some verses there. First one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's my wife's life verse. Then Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. That's her choice of verses for the season of my cancer and all that we're going through. And then the next one, Third John, verse 2. That's my choice to remind me of just how God is at work in my cancer. Always there on those things for us to remember and, and us to see. In chapter 3, verse 8, is more, we see more about this vital sign of the heart. Um, it says, little, little children, let us not love in word or deed, word or talk, but in deed and in, in truth. You know, maybe all that's needed is encouragement that can be expressed in a simple card or even a text or a people poster. And some of you may ask, what is a people poster? And so there's a picture that'll pop up. So when I was in the hospital in Javon Bay and just after the the Swedish cancer, uh, media care center visit and then the admission and then they, they found out and determined I, I did have cancer. My family came out and I was told, you should get up and go look outside your window down in the parking lot. And I wish you could go in a little sooner, but it says we and then there's a heart and then the, the capital U for, for you and then D-A-D, we heart you dad. And this is all my family braving the cold and coming out. Greatly enriched my heart that day. Uh, just strengthened me in, in so, many, so many ways. And sometimes a simple but love expressing card that you may write to someone or brother or sister lets them know you're thinking about them, that you know the struggle they're going through, and it can be enriching and helpful to them and get them through that difficult season, especially if you give them some Bible verse to meditate and that gives them the truth and all that. So um, there was a song, and I'm not going to take the time to go through it. I know we're running a little long on it here, but it was called There Is a God, and we'll just have the words come up and go past on that. But the words of that song were, my wife had been listening for quite some time, and she provided that. And because of COVID, I wasn't allowed to have any visitors at all during that hospital stay. She was allowed to be there when I received my official word of diagnosis from the doctors. But other than that, but that song was a great enrichment to me. The truths that, that were in it, truths of God's word, uh, just awesome, awesome time to, to meditate at. The truth of God's uh, promise, love, care, and comfort during our most difficult times of hurt and sorrow can strengthen our soul. Carry us through those circumstances. So your expression of love to a fellow believer can have the same results. So church family, are we loving one another? It's an important vital sign for us all. There's one more place I would like us to see this in First John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. And again, we'll, there's a song that I have come from that, but we won't take the time to go through that this morning as well. I didn't realize how long that this was actually going to take. Um, but First John 4, 7 8. Beloved... Let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So if you know God, you know love, and should show love. How do we know that God's loved us? Verse 9 of chapter 4. God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. God sent his son to appease his wrath by giving his life for us as a payment for our sins. 
And in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And in 1 John 4.19, he tells us why we love. We love because he first loved us. Why sometimes can't we more easily forgive? Why don't we use our life to serve others more? If we love one another, we love as God loved us. If we're in God, we love. We love one another. To, sh- to love one another is to show that we've been born again, that we've been changed, that we have a new hope. We have a new family. We have an eternal Heavenly Father who first loved us, and that is why we love, we love Him, because He loves us first, and now we show that love to others. What about that brother or sister who doesn't, in, in church, who doesn't quite do church the same way that you prefer? Love one another. What about the one who seems to be a little too sold out for Jesus? Two sold out? Is that possible? Love one another. What about the one who has a different flavor of worship music than what you like? Love one another. What about the one who has offended you in some way? Love one another. To show love to one another is to show God's love. So we've looked at three of the vital signs here. Walk in truth. Found that in Third John, verses 1 to 4. Practice righteousness. Chapters 2 and 3 of 1 John, love one another, chapters 3, 11 to 18, and then chapter 4, verses 7 to 8. And I would like to add just one additional point to that third vital sign to love one another. I've correlated that to the heart rate. Um, you know, as, as a body of believers, that term body kind of used to remind us that we fit in to a whole. We're a part of a whole. And we're all equally important in that part. Now, if you go to Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6, last little passage, let's just look at together. As a matter of fact, you know, for the sake of time, folks, let's just, let's just not do that now. Um, let's go Romans 12, 10, and I'll read that for you. It says to outdo one another in love. And Galatians 6, 1, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So I ask you today, are you doing your part to contribute to the health of the body of Rock Valley Bible Church? Are you loving the family? All of the family? Are you loving one another? Are you bearing others up in love? When I was in the Navy and boot camp, uh, we learned to march. We did a lot of practicing at this. A lot of, we spent a lot of time. We learned how to march. And after we had learned for several weeks and got a little bit better at it, there'd be some longer marches we had to do to get to some special testing places or some other things. And so our company commander would take it along and he would bark out the command as we were marching along. He would say, let me hear your heart beat. And what the whole company knew to do at that point was to take our right heel and to smack it down on the ground as we walked along. So it'd be, let me hear your heart beat. It was just a louder little sound, and it came with the hill while you're walking in full stride. And boy, was it an awesome thing. I kind of got enjoyed some of those longer walks. But the reason I brought it up was just to kind of say, if I show to you that we are, it was 80 guys, young men mostly, in that company, all marching as one. And we're 80 or so plus members of Rock Valley Bible Church and learning to march in sync to our Lord Jesus Christ and marching in sync do people hear our heartbeat? Do they hear it the same? Are we marching in sync together? 
You know, we have one heart, one hope, one faith, even just like one corporate soul. So Rock Valley today, is it well with your soul? Is it well with our soul? Do others hear a heartbeat? So we've got our three different vital signs to walk in truth, practice righteousness, love one another. And what about that thing that's not actually the vital sign, that thing we talked about, the blood pressure? And going back to Third John, where we started, if you just look back there with again me, this is a quick one. Third John, verse 2, Beloved, I pray. Stop there. I pray. The key that I would like to associate with the blood pressure day is pray, prayer. John prayed for Gaius. And one thing we will do as a body of believers for each other is we will pray for each other. First Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing. James five sixteen, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Believer and follower of Christ, do you pray? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Almost every one of those cards I read for you earlier today expressed that those people were praying for me. And there's lots of ways that we can pray. Prayers for those that we know that are lost. Maybe it's a co-worker or a neighbor. Prayer for the sick and needy. For someone we find out is recently unemployed. Prayer for opportunities to serve. Prayer for ways that we know if we've, someone has, we've offended of how to make things right with them. If someone has offended up, how we might forgive them. Prayer. So I ask you to tell you, are you praying? Rock Valley Bible Church. Are you going to continue to pray for me? For my good health? And more importantly, for the health of my soul. The last picture that I want to put up there for, is just to show that the power of prayer. My wife and I would take trips up to Northern California when we lived in Southern to see my grandfather, Grand, Grandpa Larry, my mom's uh, father. And there's a picture of him and I both. He was uh, a very near and dear man to me. He was a former Methodist minister. And uh, he would, in conversations, talk loud. He would laugh loud. And he would pray loud. One morning that we were there, we stayed only, I think, two nights. But in the morning, my wife and I woke to hear. We were just down the hall in our guest room. And we had our daughter, Amy, and Alyssa's with us. Alyssa was only six months old. Amy was three and a half. And we could hear my grandfather down the hall praying. And it went something like this. Now, God, you know, Amy is here with his family, and they have these little children, and they have needs, and they need you to provide for them. And God, and he was speaking like that in his prayer. And you can just imagine what Adrian and I, we were just looking at each other in silence, just gripped and say, wow, he's taking us before the throne of grace and he's praying for us. And, and it was a very significant time. And so, you know, we have opportunities to pray and pray for each other. And we should be doing that on a regular basis in every way. So there we have it. Walk in truth, practice righteousness, love one another, and pray. Pray. Have you checked your vital signs lately? Is it time for a checkup? Is it well with your soul? Praise God that the cure for the sin-sick soul was taken care of a long time ago in Jesus. There's no recurrence of that deadly sickness as we belong to Christ now. We're part of God's family and bound for our eternal home. 
I do want to just shortly summarize things as Ryan's going to come and lead us, in, or Gage is going to come and lead us in a song. Most of you have probably heard the story of Horatio G. Spafford. He is the author of the song that we're going to sing. Um, he was a successful businessman this man around the time of the Chicago fire. Tragedy had struck their home earlier when their son of four years old died of scarlet fever. And so he felt it was time for the, after the fire to his family to have a break from things, and he sent him on to, off to England for vacation, and he was going to come just a short while later. He needed to take care of a few things. And the story went as, as, as they were traveling, there was a great tragedy. The ship that they were on was struck by another ship, and it sunk, and over 200 people lost their lives in that, including all four of Horatio's daughters. And when his wife arrived in England, she sent back a telegram that says, Saved alone, what do I do? And so he finished his matters up. He got on a ship to go. And the story goes as he, uh, the, the captain of that ship he was on, knew of the tragedy that as they passed near the site where their ship had gone down, he had let him know. And that he went out and that words rushed over him and, and words of, his, of the song of, that we're going to sing in 705 in, in your hymnal. And to make sure I'm just read, reading these here. But these are the words that came over. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What tragedy to go through, but then what peace can come from those in Christ. So have Gage come.